Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Jennifer Spivak, the CEO and founder of The Ad Girls, an all-female Facebook and Instagram advertising agency dedicated to putting more money into the hands of more women. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for having me, Josh. Excited to be here. Of course. And for me, there was only one natural place for me to start, and that's your Forbes article that calls you the conversion queen. And I quote, the conversion queen. Yes. So I have to open up, and I just want you to tell us a little bit more about the article and, and everything on the conversion queen side. I mean, first of all, I have to tell you, the amount of money that that article has made me is truly insane. And that's because like any good advertiser, I took something that was created one time, and it is basically uh, something that I don't know. I would say it's almost a cornerstone of the advertising strategy that I run. And so even though it came out in, I think it was October 2019, um, new people get introduced to me all the time through it because it's it's the number one thing that I run um, as an ad. And it has just produced tremendous credibility. You're saying that you run that article as the ad. So what I actually do, and this is one of my favorite hacks, my favorite ways to use media placements in conversion campaigns. Obviously, while there's credibility to be had in running an ad directly to the Forbes article, I then lose them and that's not helpful. So what I did is I actually went to the Forbes article on my phone and I screenshotted what is essentially everything that I could see in like a single view, which includes the Forbes banner at the top the title where they reference that I am the conversion queen, the photo of me that they use. And I screenshotted that. I did light editing just to make it actually look appropriate. But that is actually the image, the piece of creative that I use in the ad that I run that actually takes people to my application page. So the ads that I'm running are sending people to my website. I obviously want to own that traffic, but I'm still leveraging the credibility of the Forbes article. So what makes you the conversion queen? (laughs) Well, um, they did just decide to call me that, which was obviously like a really amazing thing. Um, I would say it's probably because I'm a woman in advertising who's been doing this for a really long time. And uh, I kind of feel like everything that I touch just like converts. It's like a weird joke at the agency because obviously I'm like, I have a whole team. I'm not always the person that's like running the ads. And sometimes they're like, could you be the one to turn it on though? Could like you touch it? Cause I like, I mean, really, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. Like in the ads that I run myself for the agency, I get things approved that should never be approved. Like they're like really on the line with policy. Like just like my numbers are insane. I just have an eye for messaging and yeah. I mean, when I run campaigns, they just work. Is it, is it one of those like luck as a combination of preparation and opportunity or like, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I mean, again, I, I don't think luck is random. Like you're putting yourself in good positions and everything. So but how did you get into Forbes? Like how did you get the article or interview or whatever? So interestingly enough, um, I was in Montreal for my brother's bachelor party because I'm that kind of cool sister that gets to go to her brother's bachelor party. And um, a woman that I had known who was a writer for Forbes, I had worked on several projects with her in the past for some other clients, um, lived in Montreal and was like, do you want to have a drink? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then we're chatting and she was like, I would love to feature you. And I was like, this is the best money I've ever spent on a trip ever. So it was super organic. It was like nothing that I actually attempted to do. It just happened. 
um, you know, obviously I, I actually majored in, uh, I did some classes in public relations before I got into advertising. So I knew enough about like how to feed her the right information to really craft and, and customize the pitch in a way that would make a great article for her, but also that I knew would hit on like the really important key points that I wanted to get out there that would attract in the people who are the right people to me. So I think that was really the only level of intentionality around it from, from my part. A lot of it was luck um, and just really, really good timing and being in Montreal at the right time. Do you, do you remember any of like the tactics that you use? Like the question I was going to ask is basically, is there anything that you could take from that that you could rinse and repeat and suggest someone else do? Um, so then you kind of mentioned that there were little points that you would say, and do you remember anything that you said specifically that you'd be able well, to like, well, you know, one, one thing I know is that, uh, I have a, a whole story and we may or may not get into this on, on this podcast, um, about why I started this business, which actually, you know, goes all the way back to being in an abusive relationship in my early twenties. And so, um, I happened to know when I was having this conversation with this woman that we were a few months away from October, which is domestic violence awareness month. Mm. And we were at the agency because that is a cause that's really important to us. And because of my founder story, we were planning to, you know, do a big promotion that month and donate a percentage of our revenue to a certain organization. And so, it was really just finding that right timely piece. I don't think even then, but especially now at this point with how competitive the space is, I don't think any media outlet is wanting to just like write about another Facebook advertising agency. You know, I mean, it's just like everybody's doing it and it's not that interesting in and of itself. So having that real like human piece, that really good sort of founder story and being able to tie it into something that was very timely when it's October mm-hmm you know, media outlets, I couldn't say I was going to say news or media, media outlets need content around that topic. And so I was able to give it to her. That was a good suggestion. Um, And appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of your founder story, now let's take a step back and can you just tell us the beginning and how everything started and more about your firm? Yes. So um, it did really all start. It was in my early 20s. It was in, you know, a really just horrible relationship. And, and the story actually really starts in getting out of it. And so I was able to leave that, you know, very physically dangerous situation, get a new apartment, my abuser went to jail. And like a few weeks later, I'm like, I'm kind of like moved. Obviously, there's, you know, things to process. But I was like, wow, that was all things considering easier than I thought it was going to be to like get out and start my life in like a safe space. And so part of what I did to, I think, process what had happened is I got really involved with a lot of domestic violence organizations. I got really involved in advocacy work. And Mm -hmm. in being involved in that advocacy work, I started looking around at like all of the victims that we were working with at the charities I was volunteering with, and they were not able to get out as easy as I was. And I was like, what? Why? Like, I'm trying to figure out what was going on. And, And I learned that so much of it came down to access to money. So Mm. I just happened to have $1,500 in a savings account that my abuser did not know about. That was not like a plan. It just was. There was just an account that that he didn't know about. And so it meant that when I was ready and I found an organization to support me in leaving that relationship, it wasn't a question of, well, if I leave the apartment that we share, do I have to go to a shelter? Mm-hmm. I had cash to go and get, you know, apartment and put down, you know, first and last month. And, and I, I, again, only learned in retrospect that that was actually the thing 
that made my experience, all things considering, as easy as it was. And I learned that financial abuse is present in 99% of domestic violence relationships. And that is so often the thing, the factor that women are faced with when they are deciding, do I stay or do I go if they don't actually have the cash to support themselves in leaving? And in knowing that information and knowing that I had this marketing skill, I just thought, yeah, that's not going to stand. Like I'm going to be the person that actually makes a difference around this. And so that's why I built a marketing company that is really just centered around putting more money in the hands of more women. Uh, obviously, I love that. And and I do actually just want to give you another second if you want to, off of marketing, off of everything, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about on the domestic violence, like resources or anything else? Um, yeah, so our favorite organization that we support is called Free From, freefrom.org. And they are really actually one of the only organizations that I know of that are really focused on this financial abuse element. So their thing is, look, there's amazing organizations out there that help women get out of these relationships. And that's great. But then what? And what Free From really focuses on is how do we then financially empower these women once they are out of these these you know violent relationships so that they are in a position to never have to go back so that they are really empowered to be autonomous and create their own lives and i just love the work that they do because it so perfectly ties into really what i feel is my personal mission and we've been donating a percentage of our revenue to them for many many years we run all of their ad campaigns pro bono so they're just a really amazing partner for us I'm gonna I'm gonna continue taking this in a different direction because I'm really interested in in if you're okay with it, really interested in this. Yeah, let's go. And I guess I have this obsession with um, learning about people that go through normally tough times, yeah. especially like really tough times, and then they actually use that as motivation to do good, um, yep. whether it's for themselves or others. Because a lot of people will go through this a very similar situation, but they just don't for some reason get that motivation, or they don't know what the next step is or whatever it is. So like what made you uh, like look into yourself or what, what allowed you to take that situation and turn it into good? Yeah. I, I am somebody who believes that everything happens for a reason. And I don't say that because I know it's definitively true. I say that because believing anything else feels kind of shitty and I would rather choose to believe that. And sometimes that means creating the reason yourself. And so that is what I went and did. I I made it mean something because the alternative sounded not something I wanted to experience. And so I just would have been easier though, you know, like, like, well, not easier, (laughs) but like, like less effort, I would say, but I guess not. But so put in the effort. I'm a Taurus. I don't know. It's just like, it's who I am. It it didn't, I, what I will say is that it didn't surprise me at all that those were the decisions and choices that I was making. You know, I was 21 at the time, I think. And I spent, I don't know, maybe three weeks in my new apartment just being like, I can just do what I want and nobody is controlling me and I'm not dangerous. And like, I'm just going to like, Like, I remember I had, like, the best time ever, like, drinking wine by myself and taking selfies. And I was like, I'm free. But, like, three-week mark, I was like, okay, now what? Like, how are we turning this into something? Um, It's it's just a little bit how I'm wired. No, that's – that's I think that's amazing. And now going back to the business a little bit, but but still related to this, like, what made you – think or give you the confidence to start your own business? Because I did see that you worked for several agencies 
before starting your own. Um, yes. So what made you think, you know, maybe I could go to another one? But no, no, I'm like, I'm going to start my own thing. Yeah. So um, actually, while I was in this relationship, while all of this was going on, I was a managing director and part owner of another agency. It was a smaller agency that I helped build up with somebody that I met um, when I was in college. And I don't know, I guess I just, I mean, look, I was really, really fortunate, right? So, so I met this, I met this guy, he was the one starting the agency, even though he, you know, sort of let me run parts of it, I still had a salary. And so what I always say is I kind of got to play entrepreneur with somebody else's money. Mm-hmm. I knew that I had a salary, um, you know, but, but he was very much like, you know, go, you're the managing director, you go figure all of this out. And so I kind of, I feel like there are key mistakes that every entrepreneur agency or not makes, right? Like you go through that first experience of not sending the invoice up front, not getting paid and like, boom, now I've learned that lesson and I won't make that mistake again. Like there are just certain things you go through. We've all done it. I'm trying to think what else, but it's just right. It's it's, it's like it's that, that basic stuff, you know, not having a contract, right? Like all of the like the you know the little basic things that you hear about and you think it's fine, and it's not until you experience it that you're like, and locked in. I won't do that one again. Um, and so I got to kind of live that out with this other business where like nothing was really truly on the line for me. And so I think I hit a point where I looked around and I said. Yeah, no, I've got it. Like, I've got it. I understand how to do this. I've already sort of made all of the mistakes. Um, I think I can go do this myself. And and there was also this moment where I had this conversation with my my then business partner. Um, and I remember he said to me, he noticed that I was not as connected to the business as I maybe had been previously. And he asked me, you know, like a year from now, like, what is it that you really want? And I was like, well, I want to work half as much and make twice as much. And he like chuckled a little bit because he thought I was joking. And I was like, yeah, I'm not actually joking. That's like what I desire. And that's just sort of when I realized um, I, I'm just going to go do it myself. And, and I did. Did, uh, did he buy you out and then you started your own LLC or what did that yeah, look like? He bought out my ownership percentage. It was a fairly small company. Eventually that company went on. It was on like the Inc. 5000. Like they got really big. Um, we were still fairly small when he and I parted ways. But um, yeah, I bought out my ownership percentage. And then I, you know, started out as this was like the end of 2014, started out as a freelancer and just went from there. Well, that was my next question is, how did you get your first customer? I'm trying to remember who my first, first, first customer was. I'll give a second, but I do, I do really want to know that first, if you can remember. I'm pretty sure. I mean, look, in the beginning, it was all about just like being scrappy, right? And I always, when, when I'm talking to business owners, again, agency or not, I always say like trying to like, build a funnel or do advertising before your first 100K, no, you need to be scrappy. You earn that first 100K. After that, you put your systems in place and your funnels and all of that. And so it really was just talking to people, being in the right place at the right time, letting people know that you know I was now on my own. And you have to remember, this was 2014, a very different time. I think that while this is not a differentiator any longer, it, at, in 2014, everybody was a social media marketer. And I was actually, it was a smaller pool of people saying that I do Facebook ads, 
Mm. Again, that seems like not revolutionary at all now. But in 2014, that was actually not something that was common. And so I do feel like because I really differentiated myself by super specializing when people in this space were not necessarily doing that yet, it just became that anytime anybody who knew me heard Facebook ads, they said, Jennifer. And so just really through word of mouth and talking to people, I was able to get a couple of clients. I think I had my first $10,000 month, like the first month that I was out on my own. And, you know, I did six figures my first year and it was just up and up from there. Yeah, I, I do this thing anytime I, I jump into either a new job on the sales side or especially a startup. Um, the way that I strategize it is I do like, you, you have a plan to scale to five and then you have a plan to scale to 20 and you have a plan to scale to 100. And obviously those numbers can be different. It can be customers, dollars, whatever it is. But your your plan to get to five customers or whatever it is, is going to be different than absolutely that gets you to 100 customers. Completely different sometimes. And you almost look at the resources, whether it be like conferences or word of mouth or whatever it is, like there's a million different things. Um, but it's not like what got you here will get you there um, oftentimes. So is the way, obviously, you know, I think this answers it, but like, how do you get new customers now? And, and how is that different from when you did start? Totally different. So like, again, I think before it was a little bit of like a spray and pray approach, like just be everywhere and some things will come of it. And like, I would never do that now. I also like leave my house as little as I possibly can. And I am in pajamas 98% of the time. So everything, <laughs> everything is, I mean, not everything, but I would say about 75 to 80% of my business now actually comes through our advertising funnel. Of course, I've been doing this for a really long time, going on nine years, um, you know, we hit the fall of this year. And so of course we get word of mouth and referrals, um, but that's, you know, that's not predictable. That's, they come when they come. So the majority of our lead flow and our sales calls and our new clients actually comes from a Facebook funnel that I have been running for the last three years. It's something I teach to other agency owners. It's incredibly simple. And then sometimes even as I'm teaching it, I'm like, this, this is too simple. This can't be. It can't be. But like literally last month, our ROAS was a 47X. I spent around $3,000 on ads and closed $146,000 in contracts. Like what it's, I mean, this is just, this is the thing. This is how, you know, I've built a multi-million dollar company. All right. I've, I've never given someone the choice of two questions. So you're going to be my first, but you kind of triggered me on, on one of the questions. So I was like, all right, I'll give you a Let's yeah, go. I might ask the second one anyway. So okay. you mentioned uh, you help other agencies. Um, so would you rather talk about the mentorship program that you have with other agencies or the BS and Icky Bro marketing tactics that you mentioned on your website? I want to talk about both. Let's do it. All right. So let's start with the, the mentorship program. Can you tell us a little bit more about the mentorship program? Yeah. So it's a six-month mentorship program. We call it the Million Dollar Mentorship. And it really is... Look, I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, you know, I'm really, really great at the marketing and the sales and bringing in the clients. And then my business partner, who's our COO, is like an operations genius. And together, we have just actually built something that a lot of people say in the agency world is impossible. We do not work 60 hours a week. We have like a life. We travel and the agency runs without itself. We have a consistent and predictable sales system that doesn't require us to show up on social media every day and constantly create content. We have a brilliant high-level team that can move strategy forward. We're still involved. We like to be, but at in 
it's based on like desire, not like, oh my God, if I step away, nothing moves forward. And we average between 30 and 40% profit margins at around $2 million a year. So all of those things are supposed to be like near impossible and we've figured it out. And so we created a program that is really designed to take the agency owner that's maybe at around 15 a month, 15K a month, 20K a month, 30K a month. They're really wanting to reach that million, but they're tapped the fuck out. Like they don't know how to get a consistent lead flow. They want to grow their revenue, but they just feel like if I take on another client, I'm going to literally die. I would say that a lot of the people we talk to for this offer will say, I'm either joining this program or I'm shutting down my agency. Like those are, they're, they're at that point. And so really it is just about teaching all of the things that we do to run our agency um, and really guiding them through the the process of, of building something that doesn't make you hate your life in the process. And they should also listen to the podcast once in a while. Of course, of course. Um, okay. So yeah, I think it was your website that mentioned and I had, you know, had to highlight this and, and see if I could get this in the episode, but um, you call it bullshit or icky bro marketing tactics. Um <laughs> I have specific questions, but I'd rather just throw it to you and let you talk about it. You know, I always feel like I need to preface this with love men, <laughs> love men so much. This is not, because people are like, you're anti-men. And I'm like, absolutely not. We literally are not. We adore men and think that they are wonderful. This actually has nothing to do with men. This is literally a style of marketing that has historically been perpetuated by men. There are sure. plenty of women that subscribe to it as well. So that's what we mean when we say bro marketing. And there's all these different definitions out there. To me, what it means, bro marketing is you need to do it this way. If you just did this one thing, this one funnel, this one, like this is the thing that works, period. There's no space for, but that doesn't feel aligned for me. There's no space for, I want to do it this way, or I know my audience wants this, or my messaging actually doesn't want to be that salesy. It does this other thing. And it, there's no space for that. So I know at the agency, we have so many clients. I've taken every sales call for going on nine years. So I, I mean, I don't even know how to begin to count thousands of people I've likely spoken to. And and so many of them, and they feel bad saying it too. They're like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm like working at this other, working with this other agency and like, they're fine, but it's, it's all, it's all men. And I just feel like they don't get me is the thing that I hear most often. And again, I don't actually think it's because they're men. I think that it's a lot of these other agencies are, they just follow this very structured bro. This is how you do things. I've had people come to me and say, I just really don't want to do a webinar funnel. Like that's just, that's just not what I want to do. That's not like a fit for me and my lifestyle. But my last agency said I had to. Mm. Or like, you don't have to do anything. Part of our job as your agency, as your marketing partner is to figure out a funnel flow that yes, gets you sales, but also supports your lifestyle and what works for you. And so it's just a different way in that considers the whole person that considers energy and alignment and what feels good just as much as it considers what converts and how to get as much revenue as possible. Do you have a name for the opposite? We tried to coin oh. feminine advertising and it didn't land. So no. <laughs> I didn't know if there was going to be an answer to that one. I had to ask, but I didn't know if you were. Uh... We, we were like feminine advertising and nobody, it didn't, uh... it didn't land. So we just were like, nope, never mind. 
Well, if anyone listening comes up with anything, I guess shoot me an email or whatever, and, and we'll try to get some branding around that. But yeah, yeah, um, that's funny. Uh, a few questions that I, I tend to ask towards the end. Um, I, I tend to ask everyone: if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Um, if I had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? I think it would be, so we have an interesting stance that we take on messaging. Something that we talk about a lot is it's actually time to stop talking about pain points and start talking more about you. Every, if you are just marketing and your messaging is just using pain points, then you have the exact same messaging as every other person that offers the same thing that you offer. There, it's, it's all the same. There's no such thing as new offers anymore. It, the, the space is too crowded. The literal only way you could ever possibly stand out is by creating, you know, we have a whole methodology that it won't necessarily get into right now, but creating this sort of like unique fingerprint with your messaging, right? Hitting on these certain points that could only ever belong to you. When you do that, you are able to sort of defy the odds with rising costs, you know, algorithms that don't work anymore. Um, you are able to really just make competition irrelevant. Very interesting. Um, what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? So uh, that doesn't have to be in business or marketing. I know you've already talked about the domestic violence. Uh, it can be anything. Manifestation. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I just look, I'm, I'm hardly an expert. Um, but I have found that throughout my entrepreneur journey, you know, learning about manifestation and law of attraction and energy work and money mindset has just played such an important role in my consistent growth. And bare minimum, it makes this process feel better, which I think counts for something. I love that. I love that, you know, you understand that the way you think about something is more important than like almost the reality of the situation. Um, Absolutely. It's not even like it needs to check off every logic box, but it just needs to work for you and like push you in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, here's the thing. If I am trying to adjust my energy, let's just say, for example, to call in more clients, great. It's also possible that I adjust my energy and the clients don't come, but then my energy is adjusted and I feel better and life feels better and I have more energy and more pep in my step and everything is more enjoyable. And of course, when you do that, the clients come, by the way, of course, but but get with that thing, the adjusting of the energy, the feeling better and everything feeling more enjoyable and pleasurable and light and fun is the thing in and of itself. I, I continue to love that because I just think the way you think about things is, is arguably the most important thing in life. Yes. Um, so oh, I, I love that. Um, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Yes. So we are always hiring for our account manager position. Um, I think like our, the overall structure of our agency is pretty solid. We've got a great leadership team, great copywriters, but in growing and bringing on more clients, we always need more account managers. So that's just sort of like a, a rolling position that we hire for every few weeks, to every few months, just depending on a variety of factors. And last question, any book or podcast recommendations? My all-time favorite book, speaking of manifestation and everything we were just talking about. So I think everybody knows the book Think and Grow Rich. So, you know, old school Napoleon Hill, it's like a classic. Um, there's a spin, a newer spin on that book called Think and Grow Rich. So it's basically about gratitude. 
Um, it's by Pam Grout. And I am rereading it for, I don't know, the 20th time at this point. Um, I actually, not only is it a great book, but it's it's basically made up of these little stories. And so what I actually love to do is start my day with one of those stories. It just like, oh, it reminds me that the universe is magic. And like, that's the energy that I want to be in before I open up my laptop and go to emails and handle team stuff. And so it's a book. And I also use it as a little bit of like a morning practice or a personal development practice because it just sets me on the right energetic path for the day. I think it is magical. And if Pam Grout could just write a continuation of that book and like dedicate her life to that solely for me, it would really work out great for me. Well, if it's that or something else, uh, this has been like the most fun that I've had on on an episode. So uh, as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you want to end with. Yeah. So our website is theadgirls.com. And then I am Jen with two N's, Jen Spivak on Facebook or Instagram. Oh, you could have corrected me when I said Jennifer in the beginning. Uh, uh, you know what? I always say it's the one thing I don't have a strong opinion about, which is totally true. Uh, I literally do not call me Jenny. That is the number one rule. I am not a Jenny. Jen or Jennifer doesn't bother me. It's all good. You know, I, for some reason, I say, like, everyone calls me Josh, but in the beginning, I say Joshua just because I think it flows better. So Right? It's kind of the same. I introduce myself as Jennifer. I expect everyone's going to eventually call me Jen. We're all good. Sure, sure. Uh, no, awesome. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality of guests like Jen. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening, Jen. Amazing episode. I had so much fun. Thank you. And thank, thank you for sharing what you did. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.